We are previewing the year in U.S. politics. 2018 was a wild ride with Donald Trump in the presidency in the U.S., but what will 2019 bring, especially with the 116th United States Congress beginning on January the 3rd? Here in the studio, I have Steve Ocken, the senior advisor to McClarty Associates here in Singapore and former Clinton administration official. And from the U.S., we're joined by Kevin Cork, Fox News White House correspondent. Let's start with you, Kevin. What are you expecting in 2019 after an amazing 2018? Boy, wasn't it amazing indeed. I I have two things I think I would like to invite your listeners to just keep an eye on. Number one, uh, it's my suspicion that in addition to the release of the Mueller report uh, and the back and forth between congressional lawmakers, in particular Democrats, and the president himself, I want to make sure everyone keeps an eye on the Supreme Court. There is a great deal of speculation about the health of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And while for most international listeners that may not mean very much, just know that as the court goes, typically so goes the election. Uh, It tends to energize uh, bases right and left. And that's something we'll be looking forward to very much so in 2019. You know, here sitting in Singapore, it would seem that 2019 is going to make 2018 look tame uh, by comparison. And, you know, with an eye to Washington and an eye here as to what it's going to mean for Asia, you know, I'm kind of watching the four eyes, right? There's immigration, uh, which is the the focus of the shutdown of the U.S. government right now, the partial shutdown. You have uh, investigations. You have the potential impeachment of the president. And then also you have a, an opportunity to really make a difference in the U.S. when it comes to infrastructure, the fourth eye. So the, the four eyes are what we're going to be watching from here. And Kevin, with the partial shutdown of the uh, federal government as we head into 2019, how's that affecting the political landscape? Well, I think a couple things. I mean, most people feel like the shutdown will last at minimum a couple of weeks. Uh, I always like to remind my listeners that uh, the first week they blame the president. The second week, it's a pox on both their houses. But by the third week, it's like, I don't care who started the fire. Let's put it out. And that's going to be my sensibility. I'll tell you, I, you know, I was in the Clinton administration when the government was shut down for 27 days back in, you know, the mid-90s. And in that one, I, I would say the Republicans did get blamed uh, for the shutdown. You know, Newt Gingrich did a lousy job compared to uh, Bill Clinton in terms of negotiating what was going to happen at the end of the day. Uh, the shutdown could have been avoided and everything that, that Bill Clinton had put forward is what the Republicans agreed to. I think if the same thing happens here, that the president is going to own the shutdown, as he said he wanted to own the shutdown before before the uh, bills could not get passed by the Congress. But does he own the shutdown? That's the big question, Kevin. You're on the ground there. What do you think uh, politically this is doing to President Trump? Uh, You know, where is he in terms of this story? Well, listen, I I say this. When it comes to the shutdown, uh, at least for his base, this is exactly what they want. And I'll say this. If he doesn't stick to his guns, this is going to be George Herbert Walker Bush 2.0, meaning no new taxes. You promised you better deliver. And I really strongly believe, based on what I've observed, and as you know, uh, I've gone to about 20 of these rallies. Uh, They take it very seriously. And I suspect that if he does not hold his ground, uh, he'll pay the ultimate political price for it. 
Well, I mean, I think that's the issue is is the the country does not want uh, the government shut down over the wall. Um, you know, when the president did campaign on the wall, he also campaigned that the Mexicans were going to pay for it. And so right now, I think that you're going to see some type of compromise. There'll be some funding for border security. But if the president doesn't compromise it, I think it may help him with his base. But that is going to hurt the Republican Party. And it's going to hurt him in terms of of the 2020 campaign as it hurt Republicans writ large in the 2018 midterm elections. Steve, with the Democrats taking uh, control of the House, what are you expecting in terms of the investigations around uh, Donald Trump uh, going forward with the Mueller report about to be released? Well, I think that the Democrats are going to probably hold their fire when it comes to the the Mueller report, when it comes to the obstruction of justice and in collusion. They're going to focus on all of the other investigation, uh, investigative authority they have as the majority party. And that is the actions of the Trump administration for the past two years, because the House under the Republicans did not exercise its oversight authority and the Democrats are going to exercise it. Well, Kevin, if you're back with us uh, now, maybe I could ask you what you're expecting from the Republicans, uh, you know, how they're going to handle the pressure on uh, Donald Trump in the House. Well, I think a couple things will happen. I, I don't think there's any doubt that the House is going to be a raucous uh, environment for this president. And I don't mean that in sort of a fun, raucous way. I mean that in sort of a politically very dangerous way. Uh, I agree with your guess. I think... Uh, Look, the four eyes may or may not turn out to uh, be all in play, but I'll say this. I, I know they're gunning for him, and I think most people here in Washington certainly feel that way. But let me just add this. Um, the president has the Senate. He does still have a great deal of support in Washington. And I don't think there's any doubt, not in my mind, that he is in this to go all the way, meaning despite what you may hear and read in some circles in the media – he is unbowed, bloodied, but unbowed. And I suspect that uh, you'll see a fistful of uh, punches thrown on both sides of the political spectrum for the, not just 2019, but all the way through November 2020. I'm looking so forward to it because, you know me, I've worked with you a long time. I've, I'm always spoiling for a good fight, and I think we're in, uh, we're in for quite a few of them. And I'll, I'll try and be a tiny bit of an optimist uh, on this point because you can see the two parties come together. Um, the criminal justice reform uh, bill that you know President Trump signed into law is a major piece of bipartisan legislation, a major accomplishment that has completely gotten lost with this focus on on immigration um, and the and the government being shut down. And the question is, can the Democrats and Republicans come together for a little bit of good news in 2019? And that's that fourth eye infrastructure. Look, the United States desperately needs it. Our airports are not like Changi Airport, right? Our, our, our subways are not like the MRT here. Um, our highways are not like the, you know, the PIE and the AYE. We really need a lot of infrastructure spending in the United States. Hopefully that could come up while all of this partisan fighting is going to certainly take place. We're speaking to Steve Can Oppen. I add to Oh, that? yes, go ahead, go Can ahead, I yes. something just for a second? I really appreciate you saying that because... In my travels, and, and I've traveled, I don't know, 45 countries now, uh, it's embarrassing, quite frankly, uh, to come home and see the lack of development from an infrastructure perspective compared to many of the uh, uh, nations around the globe. And, and especially when you talk about airports, it's, it's almost galling. So I'm also slightly hopeful 
that just maybe in the spirit of bipartisanship, uh, similar to what we saw with criminal justice, maybe something happens on infrastructure. But if someone said, hey, listen, I'll bet you a, a steak dinner it never happens, I wouldn't put money on that bet because I really think, uh, I got to tell you, it's just it's so, the, the environment is so toxic, you know? Yes, I know what you mean, Kevin. I just got a quick question for you, Kevin, about the uh, Democratic uh, nomination process, which is really in one way already beginning in an unofficial sense. Who would you like to see or who do you expect to see nominated to to perhaps rival uh, Donald Trump for uh, 2020? This is the biggest issue, I think, for Democrats. I think um, the fissure, if you will, between progressives, true progressives, and sort of old-line Democrats, uh, sort of uh, Democrats of the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s, uh, there's a real fissure there. And I know that my friends who are Democrats in Washington really want something new, fresh, different, uh, in the mold of a Sanders or an AOC, you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, will, or Bernie Sanders. Will they get that? I just don't see it happening. So if I had to put money on it, I would not bet on Biden. I'd still bet on Kamala Harris. And the reason I say that is, remember, uh, the DNC moved up the California primary. She's from California. She's a woman. She's a minority. Uh, if you energize the Obama base, the thinking is maybe that's the ticket. Do I think she'd beat Trump? I don't right now. But I still think she's probably the best bet if I were putting money on the table to uh, lead the ticket. Um, I think the Democrats are going to follow the 92 model, um, and, and that's when Bill Clinton got the, the nomination, and that's where the Democrats were said, look, after 12 years of being outside of the White House, we need to win, and we're going to pick the candidate who's going to give us the best chance to win. I think that the same thing is going to happen now, saying it doesn't matter. We don't care who the Democratic nominee is, so long as that person is best suited to beat Donald Trump. It's too early to predict who that's going to be because you have the invisible primary going on right now. Who's going to get the key staff? Who's going to raise all the money? Who's going to um, show and shine as, a, as the alternative uh, to, to Trump? I would make a prediction that I think the Democratic nominee will be under the age of 55. Um, every Democratic nominee, the average age of a non-incumbent going back about 50 years is 48. Um, so I think the Democrats are going to go in that mold. I think they're going to pick somebody more moderate who can play in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Ohio and not just uh, on the coasts. Our guest, uh, Steve Ocken, the former Clinton administration official, and Kevin Cork, direct from the U.S., the Fox News White House correspondent. Kevin, we've seen some bombshells uh, recent weeks involving the uh, Mueller investigation uh, and things around it. Uh, do you think this is going to impact uh, President Trump's uh, agenda in 2019 in a big way? I don't believe it will affect the agenda in so much as they already have an idea of what they want to do. Uh, I do, however, believe the media, uh, chasers of bright, shiny things, will be consumed with all things Mueller, all things Russia, uh, unless and until something else happens in the way of major breaking news. Um, That said, I just don't think, in my humble opinion, that this will amount to as much as a lot of people seem to believe. I think it would be great for us in the business to talk about, but I just don't know that there's a lot of there there. Um, and unless I'm, unless I'm completely surprised, I think this report will be great catnip, but I don't think there'll be a lot to it. 
I mean, I think from what we've seen so far, there is a lot of there there. And if, if you go back in history and you look at the grounds on which, you know, the articles of impeachment were introduced on, on President Nixon and, and for the articles for which President Clinton was impeached, you certainly can make the same case here that there's obstruction of justice that there's been a misuse of, of the government and, and certainly uh, a misuse of, of the corporation, of the Trump organization going into the campaign with the payments of, of uh, hush money. And, and so there is enough there to, to go down the road of impeachment, whether he would be impeached and let alone whether he'd get convicted is a different issue um, by the Senate. But the president, Trump, I don't believe is going to be able to compartmentalize nearly the same as President Clinton was able to do. And I think this is going to tie down uh, the Trump administration into knots and very little is going to get done. Kevin, the term fake news, you, know, you, you and I worked together at KUSA 9 News in the, in the 1990s. The word fake news has come in. It's been used a lot by President Donald Trump. He says the fake news is the enemy of the people. As a journalist, how do you feel about this uh, term being bandied about? doesn't offend me as much as it does some, only because you and I grew up in the business when perspective, context, and honest reporting mattered. I think today I see a lot more advocacy journalism uh, than we ought. And my friends who would argue otherwise say, well, you know, I'm just telling the stories as I see them. It's not your job. Your job is to provide context your job to tell the truth and let the chips fall. Too often in the reporting, I think now, I've observed, and it's not just TV, it's in the print too. Uh, people have sort of gotten away from, you know, Joe Friday, just, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> so when I hear him sort of throw that around, fake news, fake news, doesn't bother me like it bothers some. Uh, it's a deflection from if there's dishonesty, and it's reported, you can call it fake, doesn't make it fake. But I'm not vexed by sort of the, uh, the wiles of his Twitter feed the way some people are. I just think it's kind of immature. And if he wants to be that way, you know, good for you. Uh, it won't throw me off the scent, I can tell you that. I, I think part of this whole thing on fake news is, is look, frankly, the number of lies the president tells, um, and he doesn't have to. He has had an extraordinarily consequential administration, which his base does like. But when you go, you know, to Iraq and you're talking to the troops and you say, you know, these troops haven't gotten a raise in 10 years and I gave them a 10 percent raise, both of which are false. Um, and then you come out after that and then complain about the fake news uh, of the coverage of, of your Iraq business, uh, of your Iraq visit. I think that is very damaging uh, for the country. It's damaging for the office of the presidency. It's damaging uh, for the civilian uh, control of the military. And it, it's damaging for trust in the media. Final word to uh, you, Kevin Cork, Fox News White House correspondent, as we look ahead to 2019. I would just say this. The one thing I hope everyone keeps in mind as we sort of brace ourselves and buckle up for what promises, I believe, to be a turbulent uh, political year for this president, uh, for the presidency, um, just know this, that the business of the people continues. And I, for one, uh, will be standing uh, as a bulwark against the foolishness that I see each and every day in journalism. I will keep the megaphone in my mouth. And I will pull the trigger and I will let, make sure that listeners and viewers know 
that we still have big issues in this country. We have people who are hurting. We have, uh, despite all the glowing reports about the economy, we have large pockets of this country that need help. And uh, we need to be focused on that, all of us, not just in our reporting, but our leaders as well. Can't wait for the political year 2019. Happy New Year to Kevin Cork, Fox News White House correspondent, talking to us uh, from Washington, D.C., and also to Steve Ocken, the former Clinton administration official, senior advisor to McClarty Associates. Keep listening to Money FM 89.3.